welcome to episode 1258 on The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. You seem tired. Jim, I am tired. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I actually got to bed pretty early last night. Um, you know, mostly, generally a night owl, but I've been moving away from that a little bit, getting uh, getting more uh, sleep, sleep-filled nights, so that's pretty nice, but... Uh, other than that, I'm ready to talk more outfielders. I don't know if we're going to compare everybody to Brian Reynolds today or not, but uh, we can try. Yeah, I mean, we definitely could try. Uh, we we I'm hoping that we get deep enough to get to my favorite tier of today, which is the Chris Bryant tier. Okay, excellent. We will get we will yeah. we will see if we can get to that. Let's go ahead and get started here. Um, not a whole lot of news to talk about. I did want to mention one thing that did come across yesterday, but it was after we were already deep into the outfielders. I didn't really want to circle back to the O's and their pitching injuries. Apparently they're looking at Jesus Lazardo. Now, you know, it's just a rumor. We don't know anything that's going on there, but obviously with um, Bradish's big injury and then means, you know, kind of being pushed back, all of a sudden they might be looking at a second trade. This makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because they could go out, they could make a Lazardo or um, a Cease trade and still not really touch their, or not, not, not I don't want to say not touch their farm system, but not like damage it in any way do you think that they should be jumping for a lazardo deal i mean yeah i I mean obviously like you know like he is one of those pitchers that like can be really really good when he's on uh and when he's not on he gives up too many home runs well guess what in that park it's harder to give up too many home runs so uh especially as a lefty so yeah i mean um i would be pretty excited uh, I'd probably be as psyched on Lazardo as I've ever been because I've never really been much of a Lazardo guy uh, because of the inconsistency. Uh, and like you said, like they've just got all this depth to trade from yeah. in their minor leagues. To me, the question is, what does Miami want back? Right? Yeah, like, and it'd be big uh, for sure for obvious reasons, and I don't blame them for that. But you know, we we we're always trying to find hitting for them a hitting for pitching trade because they are such a good fit for it. The Marlins are. And I think, you know, we've even talked about how these two teams line up well before the Burns trade back in, in the fall when we were talking potential trades. So there's a lot of ways it could go. We don't need to dive too deeply into it just because um, it's, it's just a passing rumor right now, but I do think it is pretty interesting. And if the O's go out and make a big pitching move, um, that would make a lot of sense to me because it's not like, you know, Say they got amazing news on Bradish and everything, you know, kind of came back better and they brought on Lazardo. That's fine because, you know, no offense, but Cole Irvin doesn't have to have a starting role. Dean Kramer doesn't have to be in the rotation. They can be rotation depth. So uh, I think it'd be really interesting. And like I said, given the depth of their farm system, the O's could give two, three quality guys and still have a wonderful system. So we'll keep tabs on that for sure. But let's dive back into outfield and let's start with an Oriole here. Let's look at a power focused here. There's a big, big range here. Um, uh, you know, almost 150, almost 200 picks worth of range. But we got Anthony Santander at 142. Jorge Soler, who just signed with San Francisco. So we definitely want to talk about that at 168. Kerry Carpenter, 225. Max Kepler, 283. Will Benson, 305. Brent Rooker, 307. Matt Wallner, 310. 
Giancarlo Stanton, 320, and Luke Rayleigh, 330. So really running a long, long range here. You got much bigger expectations out of Santander and Soler being within the top 170 picks. So let's start with them. Santander is a favorite of yours for a while now. He seems to be pretty established as somebody that you can draft and pencil in, you know, upper 20s homers, low 30s, maybe 33, 2022, 28 last year solid runs and ribbies because of this ball club you still in on your boy santander yeah i mean i think you're getting uh like you said high 20s low 30s home you runs penciling them in for the same same yeah, sort of stuff right pretty much i mean maybe a little bit of uh some average downside but uh you know because we've seen what 240 and 241 the last kind of two years but the x uh, so the, batting, the two years, the two years before last year, excuse me, two fifty seven. Oh, the year before two, that, uh, uh, last year, yeah. Uh, is X uh, is XBA last year was two thirty five. Yeah. So I think the previous years are probably more likely to what we see as like a two forty batting average. But if you're looking for affordable power, um, they can kind of just pencil in. Like I don't think you can go wrong with uh, Santander. I generally don't either, but then I kind of look at some of the rest of this tier and I wonder if maybe I should just wait and get kind of the cheaper versions of him, especially those guys in the 300s there. Um, I I don't think that that is necessarily a bad way of looking at it. The he's on only, the better I, team. And he, I think he's just safer. He He's shown over the course of the last few years, like you can actually pencil him in. Whereas like, you know, we're going to talk about Brent Rooker and yeah. uh, Matt Walner, like their track records aren't very good. Like, True. right. Like they could completely fall off uh, and kind of just go back into being pumpkins. Whereas Santander, as long as he's healthy, I think he's going to just be fine. That That's fair. So you are paying for some safety there. And again, quality team. Um, not that uh, Walner isn't as well. I think the twins are solid, but of course Rooker is not. So his runs and ribbies could be, could be challenged there. Let's talk Solaire signs with your ball club. Uh, out there in San Francisco, pick 168. You know, I'm not too worried about the park. First off, it doesn't crush righties anywhere near as much as it does lefties. He's Solaire has big boy power. His breakout year uh, when he hit a billion homers was in Kansas City. So I'm really, really not that concerned that he's going to uh, struggle. And last year he hit 36 in Miami. Like this guy thrives. Can we get this guy in a good park once just to see what could happen? He hit 48 in KC, 36 in Miami, and he's going to go out to San Francisco and probably clock another 30. It all comes down to health with him, right? What do you think of Solaire at 168 with your Giants? I mean, I think you nailed it. It just comes down to health. Um, I'm, I'm glad my Giants were finally able to find a middle or or the bat to sign there. Yeah, it's like it's uh, it's been like 20 years since we had one of those. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Solaire is gonna be fine in San Francisco. Uh, I think it really, really helps out the rest of that offense just to have a guy who can drive in runs. It's it is all about health, but my assumption would be that Solaire is just going to DH for or at least for the vast Absolutely. majority of time. Yeah. Just the occasional outfield yeah. start to give somebody a day off or something. But there is no reason that Jorge Solaire should be in the outfield for any reasonable number of, uh, of games that, that would not make a lot of sense to me. Let him just cook as the DH. He played 32 games and right field last year for Miami, 102 at DH a similar split, maybe even a yeah. sharper split. I, I would think, I mean, the only reason why they might not is just because they've got a few guys who 
on on the team where it's like, hey, you might want to hide Michael Conforto at DH, mm-hmm. uh, you know, occasionally. But for the most part, yeah, I think that there's no reason to put Soler out in the out. I mean, he's just a bad outfielder, and then he gets hurt, and so you, you don't want to get him no hurt. no reason to have him out there. You're cool with this price point, one sixty eight yeah. for Soler. Yeah, I got no problem. And if anything, that. it might drop. Um, usually, guys rise just on the heels of signing, but mm-hmm. uh, considering he's going to be in San Francisco, which is a bad park, uh, and the team around him isn't very good either. Uh, people may just go, well, I don't want Solaire now. Uh, I mean, remember when like uh, Chris Davis was traded to the A's and everybody started freaking out? Oh, no, he's in the Coliseum. Like I said, his power play is anywhere, so I'm not super worried about that. Uh, so for me, like I think Solaire is a, a pretty good price right now, and I could see it even going down. Yeah, that would not surprise me either. I would take that discount if if it came. Kerry Carpenter, 225 for my tags. I was a big fan of him last year things connected. Now I mentioned, you know, with Santander, um, aren't some of these late guys kind of, you know, maybe similar versions of him. I actually think this is much more prominent with Carpenter as much as I like him at 225. Shouldn't we just be taking the Rookers and the Walners 75, 80 picks later uh, to do the same thing? Or even my boy, Luke Rayleigh at pick 330. Like I love Carpenter. I'm excited about seeing him again. Um, and I hope that maybe he can, start to get some of those verse lefty plate appearances uh, just to kind of help the volume. But I don't think I'm paying the premium. I think this is a guy that I move off of because the price has risen a little too high for me. What do you think about Kerry Carpenter coming off of his breakout season? Uh, when you first started kind of saying what you were saying about uh, Carpenter uh, and, you know, just pivoting to other guys that are a little bit lower, I thought what you were saying was instead of taking Santander, you should just take Carpenter. That's fair. Like, but then scale that down even that you start to kind of keep making that, that dip though, right? Like instead of Santander at 142, how about Carpenter at 225? But then maybe instead of Carpenter at 225, why not Rooker, Walner, Stanton, Rayleigh? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel better about Carpenter's path to playing time than a lot of those guys below him. Uh, I feel like his skills are a little bit more unimpeachable to be quite honest. Like, I mean, above average uh, zone contact, a 12 and a half percent swing strike rate uh, tells me that the 25% uh, strikeout rate is probably legitimate. Um, you know, I think he's got power to all fields. I, I actually really like Armander. He's been one of my more drafted players this year. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I like the cosine again. I was a huge fan of him last year. I'm just worried. You know what? I, I, look at though too i will say um 459 plate appearances last year that wasn't all platooning though he missed yeah. some time due to injury so if we can get him to the five you know 550-ish range get attack on maybe another hundred then we can still get our 25 and then you can make a case you know th- this is one thing we forget sometimes with the platoons oh we want that extra volume well sometimes the trade-off is hey I'll give back that volume, but the batting average is going to be higher because he's not going to have all those plate appearances against lefties that might bring his batting average down. And Kerry Carpenter hit 278 last year. So we again, don't, I don't have him platooning either because we don't have F- Fangraphs, uh, Russ Resource doesn't have him platooning. Yeah, because there's no obvious fit there. Yeah. So I don't like think I, Matt Veerling is, is like a clear must platoon with Kerry Carpenter type guy. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think there's uh, actually a pretty good chance he gets the 600 plus plate appearances. Um, and uh, and that's what I haven't projected for. I haven't projected for, uh, I believe it's 600 plate appearances and 27 home runs. Like, okay. I think he is Santander, just a little bit cheaper. What kind of average you got with that then if he's playing 600, including against lefties? Because, um, you know, he also had the little 31 game sample in 2022 for Kerry Carpenter and he hit 252 during that. And so his composite average is 273. Go ahead. I have 258. Okay. That's fine. Um, Okay. You know what? I think maybe you brought me back in a little bit on my guy. I love Carpenter. I I really want, I want to be in. I just was looking at these other guys and I'm like, well, maybe I should just be waiting. Honestly, it, it could be a double up situation too. I'm, I'd be fine taking Carpenter and Matt Walner, right? You need power. I'll always just kind of keep stacking power. You can never have too much. So maybe it's a situation where I just get both. Uh, I will be kind of keeping an eye on in spring training. Like if they are going to let him get a chance at 600 plate appearances, then Carpenter does become a bit more appealing. Um, I think I was judging him a little too harshly on the 459 from last year, forgetting that that part of that was injury, not just that mm-hmm. he was platooning. So, okay. Uh, you, you, you've, you've, you've brought me back in a bit on my guy. It's always that weird balance of like, when you're super in on a guy one year, he hits, you're, you feel great about it, but then do you stay bought in when the price really jumps? Mm-hmm. And I'm usually, a lot of times I'm like, yes, this is a guy I like, I'm sticking with him. I've been a little bit more in between on Carpenter this year, but you're pushing me toward sticking with him. Let's talk about another twin before we get to Matt Walner, Max Kepler, favorite, uh, you know, of mine for several years now, but I'm kind of off the, you know, th- this started before last, before this year, but like we used to look at his BABIPs and say, well, all he needs is some BABIP luck and he can have a good batting average, this, that, and the other. And it was never coming to fruition because what he does is not conducive to a high BABIP. It wasn't that he was unlucky. It was mostly that he's a fly ball guy. And the more fly balls you have, the lower your BABIP's going to be generally. But he did pop 24 homers, his highest since the 2019 rabbit ball breakout of, of 36. Uh, he did hit 260, so the average actually did jump up despite only a 288 BABIP, although I say only, and that is a career high. So that is still like, yes, if his BABIP goes up, so will his average, but we can't really expect Max Kepler to be in the 300s range that is league average because that's just not his game. Uh, and then volume remains a question. He hasn't had 500 plus plate appearances since the 2019 season, but 491 last year, quality year overall. I'm still a fan. I think the market prices him fairly, but what do you think from Max Kepler? Are we carbon copying this past year? Uh, you know, do you think the rabbit ball 36 homers is at all possible or was it just rabbit ball or are you down on him? Where, where are you at on Max Kepler? Man, I just can't quit Max Kepler. He's been like one of my favorite dudes forever. And yeah, he's been uh, a show fave. Like I kind of just wish he would get traded to a different team because <laughs> I just feel like he maybe a different team could just unlock something for him because I do see a guy who has the potential to be like 30 10 if uh if everything broke right. Uh that being said, yeah, I think a carbon copy of last year is pretty fair. Uh, maybe you give back some of the batting average because, like you said, you know, he ran a 288 BABIP uh, and his career is 253. So uh, I, I would expect it comes back down at least 10. The batting average comes down at least 10 points, maybe even 15. So, uh, But I do think you're going to get like around 20 home runs and uh, some chip-in stolen bases and decent counting categories. It's just not 
the most uh, appealing from like an upside perspective. I think the I think the floor is really safe. He's a great defender. They're gonna they're gonna play him every day, um, especially with all the injuries in Minnesota. Like I don't think and that he's not a part of. Uh, I don't think that he's gonna lose playing time at any point. Uh, but you know, a lot of times when you're at this point in the draft, you know, after like 250. You start really going, okay, who are the guys that can start winning me leagues, not who are the guys who are just going to, like, you know, keep my team afloat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, I, I know a lot of people are going to pass on the Max Kepler of the world for a lot of the other guys we're going to talk about in this tier. I mean, that's fine if they want to do that. Like, I, I will say bought in on Max Kepler. I'm with you. The guy just can't quit. So yeah. um, I, I'll, I'll take last year. Just give me mm-hmm. that again. 20-something. With a 260 average, that that would be the best part. Actually, I'm gonna budget for 245. I'm, I'm gonna plan for that, I should say, because he's a 236 career hitter. So maybe I should even be lower. But I do believe he can be closer to the 245. Uh, and if I get the 260 from Kepler, okay, great. But let's not let's not put that on him because that is a uh, a high average for him. All right, Will Benson maybe could have been in the power speed category that we have coming up later because he he does run sometimes. But I went for the power focus because that is, I think, the main draw of Will Benson. Dude can absolutely hit tanks. Did have 19 steals, though. So again, might be a better fit for that category. The categories aren't the biggest deal, though. Um, 11-19 in 108 games with a 275 average. He was excellent. I will say I've been impressed with the community not overrating him at pick 305 though, because I think everyone sees that 31% K rate, knows that there's platoon risk and says, let's not let's not play the extrapolation game, right? We always talk about not doing that and being very careful with it. I think the market isn't doing that with Will Benson and that's the right move. But what can we see for an encore from him? And crazy, but couldn't a team like Cleveland use a guy like this in their outfield? <laughs> poor Cleveland. No, um, no, 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 no. Not poor Cleveland. No one forced them to trade Nolan Jones and Will Benson when they have no freaking outfielders. No, don't say poor Cleveland. Anyway, talk about Will Benson in Cincinnati where he's cooking lately. Uh, it would be great if Bradley Zimmer has like a breakout year in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, it's funny that we have him in the power focus tier because like he just steals bases. Uh, but uh, two twenty three ISO, he's got major. Power. Yeah, he does. He does have major power. The question is, does he have major playing time? Um, and I think there is like a lot of risk to Benson's profile. You know, we saw the thirty one percent strikeout rate, um, and that's really backed up by seventy nine percent zone contact, right? And uh, with eighty five percent being league average. Uh, and part of the problem is, you know, like he he gets a little bit passive uh, at times. Like he, he doesn't swing outside of the zone, which is great, but sometimes he doesn't swing inside the zone. Um, though it's not quite as bad as I remember who we were talking about Swinsky. yesterday. Yeah, Swinsky. It's not as bad as Swinsky because okay. um, he has a sixty nine percent zone swing rate, uh, which is fairly nice. So it's just a little bit above league average, which is right around sixty eight percent. So. Uh, the problem is there's just so many bodies in Cincinnati uh, that I have a hard time, unless they move someone, getting him to 600 plate appearances. I think he's, you know, either stuck in a platoon um, or part of some sort of rotation. Uh, 
So I'd say like 500 plate appearances is probably the cap, but he could do damage with 500, 500 plate appearances. Like he's got power, he's got speed. Um, I don't have a problem with the price at all. I mean, we're talking about a guy going outside of the top 300 picks. So yeah, uh, but just not someone I land on a ton. I'm certainly intrigued. Like if, if you don't want to pay some of the premiums on Cincinnati players and you want to get a piece, you know, sometimes I just want to get a piece of a great lineup uh, without paying the premium. That is not the case for Cincy. I, I, I'm paying for the top end guys too, except for Ellie at pick 20, which is insane. Uh, but, you know, I'm in on Steer, McLean, Friedel, uh, Candelario, even Stevenson still, even though I, I am taking other catchers, but I, I still like Stevenson. But yeah, if you just want a cheap piece of Cincy, I think Will Benson's a good way to get some of that. And yeah, don't sleep on the 19 steals here. Again, I put him in the power focus here because I really think he could he could have kind of a power breakout, but he would have been a better fit in a different category. I acknowledge that. That's totally fine. But uh, yeah, Will Benson, pick 305, totally fair price. Brent Rooker clocked 30 bombs last year in an excellent breakout season. Uh, ended up being kind of the breakout hit on Twitter in the postseason, uh, really talking about how he changed his game and how he thinks about hitting. Showed himself to be one of the more cerebral guys up there with some great insights, clowning some trolls in a really uh, kind way too. You know, I, I would take a more perhaps maybe abrasive approach to some of these trolls, but he handled them much more, uh, you know, adult-like. And I respect that, you know, just letting people know that, hey, you don't got to come at me with this garbage. I I, I can uh, refute that. But 3069 really tells you what, what kind of team he's on here. When you hit 30 bombs with only 69 ribs, it's not going to get much better in Oakland this year. But what does he do for an encore, Brent Rooker? Uh, it's a really, really interesting season. So, like, if you look at the splits, you go – Oh, he was pretty much the same guy in the first half as he was in the second half, right? 16 home runs, 246 batting average in the first half, 14 home runs, 246 batting average in the second half. Like, he's the exact same guy, right? But then you look at the month to month. In April, he hit 353. In May, he hit 198. In June, he hit 199. In July, he hit 283. In August, he hit 228. In September, he hit 259. He was up and down, up and down. And I think that is the kind of player Brent Rooker is. Mm -hmm. He's going to go through hot stretches. He's going to go through cold stretches. But the beauty for him is he plays on a team that usually just has cold stretches uh, in the Oakland A's. So he's going to continue to play until he gets traded. I do think there's a chance he gets traded at some point uh, because he is 29 years old. And yeah. Uh, the A's like don't necessarily need a player like that, but he is under or he is uh under contract until, until like 2028, I believe. Uh, yeah, because so. he hasn't played a ton. So Brent Roker, it, they don't have to, you know, like they're not in on the verge of losing him or anything. But I do think if, if he comes out and he's hitting for this kind of power again and backing up everything he did last year and Oakland doesn't start taking some steps forward, then it would make sense for them yeah. to to look into moving him, seeing a team that might need uh, Brent Rooker's power. But Especially you know. when they're a team that, like, what do they need anything with a 29-year-old? But plus, like, he's blocking off, like, Tyler Soderstrom from having full-time playing time. Yes, um, because he can't, Soderstrom can't catch to save his life. Yeah, so uh, I think there is uh, a really good, uh, I think I think Rooker is a great guy to have in fab leagues. I don't know that I want him as much in a in a draft and hold, but like in your traditional fab leagues, especially in your 
tens and twelves because like when he's struggling, you can drop him and kind of then pick him back up a little bit later on. Uh, but you know, you uh, you don't have to keep him rostered uh, at this is, price point though. In a DC, he can be a platoon guy for you, right? You can move him up and down your roster. I I, I like him in both formats. I, I think it's I. Because I don't need to necessarily get away from Brent Rooker. If I'm buying yeah. the 25, if I, let's say 25 homers is kind of what we're projecting. If I'm buying that, you know, I might not get all 25 because I'm platooning him. But if I can milk maybe closer to a 260 average because I'm picking my spots right or whatever. Did he have a home road split? Was there anything to, um, you know, the up and down or was it just inconsistency um, against righties specifically? Um. He was a little bit better on the road, uh, okay. but like, I mean, two fifty five batting average uh, on the road with seventeen home runs, thirteen home runs with two thirty six batting average at home. Um, so maybe the hard avoid part, home righties. If he's got a whole week of like home righties, you, you take yeah. him out for that. Like, or, or in a DC, so, you the, don't have to go the whole week. You can just do you know Monday, the, Monday, Thursday. The problem is he has a better batting average against. Uh, lefties, but he hits majority of his power against righties. True. So, like, True. you're kind of like if if you're taking him for the power, like you actually have to just kind of eat it. I think so. Go um, with all the road games, but then maybe be a little selective at home at times. Yeah, I think that that might, might be how I'd play it. If if I'm even trying to play it like that with Rooker, I was only saying that as a potential for you. Were saying that you didn't necessarily want him in a DC. I think you could still milk it a little bit and not have to just play him straight in a DC there. I think Rooker's a fine pick. Problem is though, the the runs and ribbies are going to be shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, I, mean, they're, I, I don't think they're going to take major steps forward this year by any stretch. No, of if, if anything, they take step back. Like they're, they're they, step back you can't go back from where they're at. I mean, L- no, literally, yeah. I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny. They will not win fewer than 50. There's no way. Fold the team at that point. Fold the team. They might need to. They don't have a home in a couple of years. Then fold it. Like, you cannot. They don't be know where they're going to play 50. next year. I know, but that would be so freaking vile. You know, the Wood and Stripling pickups, I think, are solid. Get some veteran guys in there. Obviously, their health is going to play a role in, into how much they can help the team. JP Sears, Paul Blackburn, cap- you know, capable major league guys. Uh, they got a few decent guys in the bullpen. Like, they should not be as painfully no, they, wretched they as they be, were last year. You know, they could be, but they shouldn't they, be. They, they could be, but they shouldn't be. Yeah. So Brent Rooker, he's fine, but make sure that you can account for the runs and ribbies if you get them. I think the power will be good, but you got to watch out for that that runs and ribbies. Um, and, and and for real, like as much as I like Rooker, and like I said, uh, been engaging on on Twitter with him. Give me Matt Walner instead. Same price point. Matt Walner's on a markedly better team. More likely to platoon because he's on a better team, but I don't care. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely down for the Matt Wallner experience. The 26-year-old popped 14 homers last year with a 249 average. Strikes out a lot, 32%, with a 15% swinging strike rate. So he's up there hacking, but he takes 11% walks as well. So a 370 OBP was really nice from Wallner. And he scored um, 42 runs with 41 ribbies in 76 games. And Rooker was doing 60-60 in 137 games so you know to kind of underscore that point further there i i just much prefer walner i could i think we could see a, a nice jump forward this year i think we can get mid-20s homers out of matt walner what do you think 
I mean, I think it's definitely possible. The question is, how many plate appearances do we get? I think we're, I think we're much more likely to see kind of uh, high teens uh, to low twenties homers, just because I don't believe in uh, the playing time necessarily for him. He's not a good defender. He's going to be a platoon bat. Strikes out at like a thirty percent rate. So, well, how much PT you got for him? Um, I believe I got four fifty. Um, do you think his power comes down much from last year? Because I think that, you know, take the take the 14 and 254 last year for Walner. I I know I'm I'm extrapolating here. It's not always the smartest thing, but that puts you right in the mid twenties. I think the batting average definitely comes down. And so I think everything kind of comes down a little bit with that. Like he he is pretty bad contact skills. Uh mm-hmm. you know, seventy two or seventy two point seven percent zone contact is like Galloian. It's tough. Yeah. That's a like good way to put it. Yep. Um, now he, again, he very much like yellow, like he does not swing outside the zone, but he's got a 15% swing strike rate. Like he's I don't think his, his profile all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah. Like he's one of these guys that's trying to hit the bomb. There's no two strike approach for Matt Walner mm-hmm. is to continue taking your a swing and try to hit the bomb. I think he's one of those guys, you know, like we were talking about yesterday, I don't really care about spring training stats, but there are certain guys I've circled. And I think Walner should be one we have circled because like if, if he shows any growth, even in spring training, because like the strikeout and walks in spring training actually mean a little bit, right. It's showing, Mm -hmm. it's showing some sort of approach change. Um, And if he's not striking out at a 30% clip in spring training, that's actually really, really encouraging for me. Um, And you know, again, like lineups, right? If he's going up against lefties and holding his own, like that's a really good sign. That'd too, be encouraging. As much as like right now, like yeah, like they're they've got him scheduled for platooning. Like I don't really buy our roster resources kind of projection in terms of lineup right now because right now they've got Byron Buxton playing every day in center field. Don't believe that. Like you know, like. I don't. I think the Carlos Santana signing like crushes Alex Kirilov, right? Um, so I think there was something about that in a recent mining the news. Oh, was there? Um, that those two might be platooning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could definitely see that um, because I think that like Buxton had like you've got to keep Buxton line up as much as you can at the DH spot. Um, I don't think that they're going to let him play the outfield a lot. So, like, right now we've got Willie Castro. Too. Yeah, because you got to get these – I think they might have to let Buxton try to play some outfield because you got to get these guys in. Kirloff has an option. So, that, and now, obviously – the like, option of getting a new wrist? Yeah, I mean, obviously all of this will work itself out because they're so injury-prone that, like – you know, like Royce Lewis is going to miss time. You know that Kirilov's going to miss time. You know that Box. Wait, wait, wait! Time. You don't know Royce. Don't, don't, don't be so negative like, on Royce Lewis. I love Royce Lewis. He doesn't like, rip his leg again. He's not going to miss shit. He missed time last year because he got hurt. Exactly. He doesn't have to get hurt this year. It's not guaranteed. I'm, I don't like is, this negativity. It is guaranteed. I don't so. appreciate this negativity. Royce Lewis is a god. I would take him at pick 20 over Ellie De La Cruz. uh, Of course, I'm not taking him at pick 20, but uh, joking aside, like if you made me take one of those guys at pick 20, I would take Royce Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. 
obviously I'm not taking him there, but that is Ellie's ADP for God's sakes. Yes, you would come on. You would take Ellie over him if you had, if you were forced to take one of those two at pick twenty. You would take Ellie. I would, yeah. Oh my goodness, I, I because I, I I don't think Ellie's skills, Royce's health. You know, I'd rather bet on the health than than having to bet on somebody's yeah, skills. Yeah, and I'd, ra- I'd rather I'd rather bet on just the Mm-mm. I'd rather bet on the health. I really would because here's the thing too: if the health. Flops this is on, like shaping up to a board bet that I'm not going to make. Like, I'm not I'm not going to make this board bet. I don't know if because, that's what you're angling at, but... No, 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 that, that's happening. fine. We don't have to. But if Ellie's... Uh, but if Royce's uh, health did fail in this theoretical year, I can replace him. With Ellie, that's you're going to have to eat the 100 batting average that he's going to hit. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be 100. And I like Ellie. I, I know I'm being super negative on him. I want him to be good. I just cannot get behind the 20 to 25 I, ADP. I mean, I can't... killing eat, me. Like, like and, and he, yeah, you're you're not advocating it either. I'm just saying if I had to take one at twenty, it would be Royce. But you're, you're right. To and bring to up. your point, like I have drafted Royce Lewis multiple times already. Like you know, so, so you're like, like in his fifty ADP. Yeah. Uh, now I got him. I think cheaper than you normally get him, but still, like I mean, I've pulled the trigger on a guy inside the top seventy five that I am just petrified on his health. <laughs> um, Understandably, um, right? You know, he's ripped yeah. each knee. I get it. I'm, I'm not being deluded here to think that, you know, we'll just pencil Royce Lewis in for a buck 50 games. Yeah, right. No way. But anyway, Matt Wallner, he's going to platoon some. They're going to be working a lot of guys in and out. They have a lot of injury issues. I found the mining the news thing. Carlos Santana, I think there's multiple Carlos Santanas. Um, so his name didn't tag, I think, in the mining the news. So I had to go dig it up. But yeah, the team might go with the first base platoon with Kirilov facing righties and Santana facing lefties. And then Jeff clipped the the news piece that talks about it. So stay tuned for that. Um, here's the thing. Santana is so cheap that if you like him, you can still take him. Like there's nothing wrong with taking him there and just letting that um, letting that sort of happen. You know, even, even if they do run a platoon with him, Okay, that's fine. I mean, he's he's a dirt cheap pick. But anyway, about Wallner, he's going to platoon. He is a big batting average risk. Let's move and on to the, Jim Carlos. The nice Stanton. thing is, just before we move on, like mm-hmm. Wallner is atrocious against lefties. That's not a nice thing. Like horrendous. Horrendously bad. So like this is why I have him 450 plate appearances is because like I just think that they're – and he's not like not great defensively either. Um, I just think that he's kind of capped by that platoon. On the plus he's, side – He's got um, a straight platoon. There are only of the other four teams in that division. There are only three total lefties in the rotations. I will have so, my article like, come out about projected yeah. lefties, uh, but you give, you give me some early, uh, early yeah. tip. Just, I just looked it up while you were talking, and I'm like, okay, um, one. I think it's the White Sox don't even have a lefty in the rotation. We've got Scooble. Uh, yeah, Scooble, Logan Allen, and uh, Reagans. There you go. Well, the funny thing is, all three are pretty good. Yeah, so like two are studs and one's want them against, solid. Like you wouldn't want him against those if they were, you know, if he was allowed to. So yeah, um, it actually lines up. Maybe I do need to bump up his plate appearances a little bit because there are so many, uh, there are so many righties in that division, especially, but. I, th- I think 500 is really like a cap on terms of like, or like the ceiling of the plate appearances for Walmart. I think so too. That's, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Uh, John Carl Stanton pick 320. boy, you know, 
<laughs> I'm not sure I envisioned the day when when Giancarlo Stanton would be picked 320, but I, I get it. He's coming off an 89 WRC plus. Still hit 24 bombs. That's why he's in this category. But he came with a 191 average. Justin, he hit 211 in 2022. So, you know, we can't really bank on much for the batting average. But he still smacks the piss out of the ball. Uh, hit 31 homers in 2022. Is there any sort of rebound here that has you intrigued by Giancarlo Stanton? You taking him anywhere? Or is this who he is and and thus belongs in the 300s? Where are you at? So Stanton's never been like a really great zone contact guy. Um, and to prove that point, uh, he has never had a league average zone contact in his entire career. So uh, like, yeah. So, but that being said, the last five seasons, he has been below 80% zone contact. Um, so I think the batting averages are going to kind of suck and you'll get cheap power, but like I'm thinking, and then obviously there's the injury risk, right? Stanton yeah. just gets hurt. Uh, and they have to, they have, yeah, they have to DH him, you know, two thirds of the time because one, he gets hurt and two, he's not good defensively. So um, I think, 25 to 33 home runs in a 220 batting average is what you're getting from Stanton. Uh, I think if he didn't have this contract, he wouldn't be playing really much at all. But he's got the contract. They're going to keep putting him in the middle of the lineup uh, because of it. So maybe at some point they just decide to eat it, uh, which actually wouldn't surprise me. But um, ultimately... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a cheap power source that might kill your batting average. Yeah, that that does make it tough to even get those homers because uh, of what he's doing elsewhere there, uh, hitting sub 200 or at least very low 200s. Again, you combine the last two seasons, it's 202 in 867 plate appearances for Giancarlo Stanton, which is very scary. So, but like you, know, you said, like he's still. Like, I'm just going to quote you to you. Um, like, he still smacks the piss out of the ball. <laughs> like, I mean. And so, like, if he if he blasted 35 again and hit even dude, 230. Dude could hit 45 home runs. Yes. It would not shock me. I mean, we're talking about a guy. So, yesterday we were talking about, like, usually I'm looking for above 112 miles per hour in terms of max exit velocity. Stins was the worst of his career last year and it was 119.5 <laughs> like he destroys baseballs and he could um, hit through that like again we're not projecting it but he could power through the the contact issues for a decent batting average because yeah. it's also worth pointing out that he has a 219 babbit over the last two years and that's pretty uncharacteristic for somebody with a career 307 he yeah. doesn't even have to get all the way back to that to hit 230. That's why the projections are in the high 20s homers with a 230 batting average. So I actually don't hate Stanton uh, at this price point. And if you need power late and you're really looking for somebody who could truly spike a 40 bomb, um, he is that guy. So, yeah. and I, I loved him, you know, in, in his heyday. So he's a, he's a favorite of mine too. And he's, I mean, he's dirt cheap. Like, I mean, dirt, yeah. dirt cheap and not DH only. So, like, that is a actually huge benefit. Like, he is actually outfield eligible, played 30-plus games in the outfield last year. So, um, you know, other guy, you know, typically last couple of years he's been kind of DH only. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, take the extra eligibility. Like, he's not, like, an awful pick at that point. Finishing, uh, finishing this tier, I'm looking right now. Oh, okay. It happened while we were doing the first base 
preview? Because I know we mentioned Luke Rayleigh during first base, mm -hmm. and I was wondering, like, was he already in Seattle? And it looks like when we did preview part two, that's when he was uh, that's when he was traded. So he was in the news of that episode. Um, and then, funny enough, the next episode was the <laughs> part three, and that's where he was. So two episodes we talked Rayleigh. We talked about him over at first. We've talked about him with Seattle. I like him. You're not as big of a fan. We don't yeah. need to get into it. We got other guys yeah. to cover. Let's move on. Uh, I put a couple spore faves here because I didn't know which category to put him in, and I mentioned how I forgot to put Lars Newbar. For somebody who's literally on every team I've drafted so far, to not put him in a category was kind of funny. And then Taylor Ward, a guy I just can't quit. You know, health has always been the issue with him. Skills are there. But uh, 207 for Newbar, 237 for Taylor Ward as their ADPs. Newbar, again, as much as I love Evan Carter, why not just take Newbar and sacrifice some of that speed for a much cheaper player? Um, he didn't quite pan out to the hype that was drummed up for him last year, but 14-11 with a 261 average, 367 OBP in 117 games was pretty good. He was undercut by health. I think he can be a full-time player and near the top of the order and for a quality Cardinals lineup. I'm still obviously fully in on Newt Bar as evidenced by the fact that he's on five of my five drafts so far. What do you think of Newt Bar? I think it all comes down to whether it platoons or not. Like, if, I know we have that right now. Do you think that's going to happen? I think he will at least drop in the lineup. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, it's it's really hard because, like, I I look he hit two twenty nine against lefties last year, so I could understand why they might want to platoon. Two hundred point OPS split. Yeah, let's, let's be fair and you know point point that out here. As much as I like him, like that's big. But I'm, but, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk up his potential I, while I slander another one of your former faves. Uh, right now they have him platooning with Dylan Carlson, and Dylan Carlson's not say, good at baseball. Like it's just like that, why, like why, like it's I just, was gonna say for you to make this case, you're gonna have to talk up Dylan Carlson, and I knew you couldn't do it. I, I fucking I just, knew you couldn't do I, it. I, I didn't do it. Like it's. Just, <laughs> You know, like, um, now Carlson has been decent against left handed pitching, he's hit 268 against them. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think Dylan Carlson's good at baseball. Uh, You're terrible, you're so mean. <laughs> it's true, though. No, like, uh, honestly, though, you, you look at it now, we're, we're at uh, 1481 plate appearances of, of league average work, 99 WRC plus for Carlson. And, and I think the tough part when you kind of look back at everything is he really built his prospect status off of one run 108 yeah. games at double a really turned him into like a pop-up prospect and he hasn't really backed that up since and, and so this is I, again one of the reasons why like you know like i don't obviously prospect guys don't get everything right but like the guys who are able to get eyes on these players like they know stuff that we don't necessarily always find in the numbers right yep. and, like Matt Thompson, who's, you know, obviously a big Cardinals guy, but like he was like going to the, the their double A games like every night of the week. And I remember talking to him about Carlson when everybody else was getting psyched on him. And he's a Cardinals guy going, Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's good. <laughs> like I don't think I, I don't I think he's got power that does not play. Um, and I think he's gonna struggle uh quite a bit at the major league level. And so while everybody was that getting hyped on him. Correct. Yeah, like Matt was uh, completely right, and I totally bought into what Matt was telling me. 
that being said, like he does have like a career 308 batting average against left-handed pitching. Um, and that's in like 300 something plate appearances. So, uh, so maybe he's a short side guy. Cause I was looking, we also yeah. have Donovan platooning. Um, and he was also wretched against lefties. So I think, you know, Donovan is the guy who really is more likely to lose playing time um, against uh, against lefties than Carlson. I mean, the only thing that helps and new bar, you mean, sorry, then uh, yeah, new bar. Um, the only thing that helps Donovan is his ability to play everywhere. Correct. Uh, so uh, they can, you know, they can kind of just move around the diamond. Uh, but, you know, if at worst, New Bar is a strong side platoon player, and at best he's a full time player. Like I'll take that gamble at this spot. Like that's a, like that to me. You know, especially if you're going to be leading off, um, you know, against right handed pitching in uh, for one of the better offenses in baseball. Like okay, I'll take the gamble. I think there's a lot of upside on New Bar. I think the downside is kind of reflected in the price. So uh, I totally understand why he's been your dude. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you said everything that I think about it um, with regards to why I'm drafting him so much. What about Taylor Ward? Again, um, somebody I've really liked, has has obvious skills. Health has eluded him as it has many guys on the Angels. They got some sort of curse over there. But, uh, you know, 14-47 last year, 14 homers, 47 ribs in 97 games, 253 average. So the numbers were down a bit from that big breakout in 2022. But I think there's still a lot to like. He was still a plus bat. He'll be age 30. I think his playing time is locked if his body cooperates. We just need yeah. that cooperation. But at 237, I think that's kind of built into the price, as I like to say. So I'm still in on Taylor Ward. Uh, where where do you stand with Taylor Ward these days? Um, I think lost the fact that last year he, you know, you know, struggled with injuries and stuff was that the underlying skills actually improved. Um, you know, the zone contact went up while the zone swing went up. So, like, he was being more aggressive in the zone and making more contact while he was doing it. Um, I believe it was, like, a 91% zone contact. I'm double-checking that right now. Yeah, 91.4% zone contact. That's fantastic. Like, I I'm like that. Totally fine. I think it is all about health with Taylor Ward. I think if he gets, uh, like, a full complement of plate appearances, if he can get the 600 plate appearances, I think you're talking about a guy who's 25 maybe even more home runs with a, you know, a pretty decent batting average. I know 253 last year is probably about what we see. So I'm thinking like 25 to 28 home runs, 253 batting. If he can stay on the field and that's the problem. Like, I think I prefer him in a fab league uh, or in a league where you've got IL spots. Uh, so that way you can either cut and move on if he is out for a long period of time, or at least stash him on your IL. Uh, but I actually really like Taylor Ward, and I think there is a little bit more upside than the ADP suggests. Yep. Co-sign all that with Taylor Ward. Let's move on to the Speed Demons. Estuary Ruiz at pick 131. No shot. Jaron Duran at 162. Cedric Mullins at 148. Put them out of order, my bad. Uh, Starling Marte, 223. Leody Tavares, 271. Whit Merrifield, 276. We discussed him at second base, but the latest news says that a deal is expected this weekend, so we can talk about that in a moment. Willie Castro at 303. Discussed him at third, but the Twins have made some moves since then. And Johan Rojas at 370. Let's start with the guys that are inside the top 200 there. Ruiz, Mullins, and Duran. Um, Ruiz, okay, he panned out last year, okay? Credit where it's due. I was out. And you got an AL high uh, stolen base total. So if you drafted him, yeah. he, he did what, what you wanted, right? Like, so mm -hmm. I get it. 
the thing of it is though, and I wrote him up in my busts article because like, I, while he delivers the value maybe of a pick 131 relative to the dollar value, I just don't like what he does for a team build, which is to say yeah. is a drain on every other category that you need to plan around. And I know that we disagree a little bit on this. You're, you're open to taking a guy like this on the fly. I think you need to plan to take, like you need to go into your draft saying, I'm going to take Estuary Ruiz. And so I'm stacking crazy power early on. And then again, later too, like all around him. But I want to go in knowing I'm going to take somebody like this so that I can plan my offense around it. Where you at on, on Ruiz? He panned out last year. Is Did you, I can't remember if you even liked him last year. And then do you like him this year? Okay. Um, I was wrong on him last year. I think what he did last year was exactly what you wanted him to do. Yep. Um, my problem with Ruiz isn't so much that like you've got a plan or you don't have to plan whatever around him. It's in one, it's one category. It's literally one category. Um, and that to me, uh, you know, I mean, this is just a different version of Luis Rice, right? And like, you yeah. can try to pair like, you can try to pair him with, you know, a guy who hits for power uh, and gets a batting average. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to take Jordan in the second round, and then I'm going to take Ruiz, you know, at pick 130, and then I'm set, right? No, no, no. I think you need to take, like, three guys to counterbalance him. That's the thing. And, well, and, like, Jordan gets hurt a lot. Like, I True. Mean, like, you know, like it, all it takes is... Ruiz getting hurt, pulling a hamstring, and speedy guys pull hamstrings. Like, and all of a sudden, you have no speed. Like, you were needing 170 or 180 stolen bases, and you were expecting a third of those to come from Ruiz. You're not finding 70 stolen bases on the waiver wire. Like, it's no. just not happening. They're more like, plentiful, but not that much more plentiful. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you might find 30, but that's still going to leave you like 30 or 40 short. So, um, I just, I, I don't, I hate it from a roster construction yep. perspective. I, I, like, I so. just can't do it. And we talked about the old, like, Billy Hamilton, Chris Davis. We were talking about that stuff yesterday. Kyle Schwarber and Estuary Ruiz or whatever. But it, it, I just don't like it. Um, at least with, with Schwarber, you get all of the power categories. You get the runs and the ribbies as well, um, along with the, with the homers. But with Ruiz, you're just getting the SBs. Uh, he scored 47 runs, 47 ribbies, five homers, 254. I just, I can't do it at pick 131. He also just doesn't hit the ball hard very often. No. He's got like a 20 or 20 or 30% hard hit rate. Like that is not what you want. Like it's just, yeah, he he's fast. He's going to outrun a lot of singles uh, or a lot of ground balls and, and then steal bases. But like, that's really all you're getting. I mentioned my bust article. I'd rather just take, uh, Jorge Mateo in the post 500 pick. Now he doesn't yep. steal 67, but he, he stole could. 32 last year. And if the playing time opened up, if some things, you know, broke his way. Now, obviously, they've got so many reinforcements there. But again, I don't need 67 from Jorge Mateo. If he gives yeah. me 25 with that pick, that's fine. I'll get the other. Ruiz is Ruiz is one of those guys I throw out at auction for other. Yes. People. Like, Let other people. Other someone else will will so can't do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And 131 for me is way too expensive. Cedric All Mullins. Right, well, that was a good episode. Cedric Mullins is next. He was on my bust article. I explicitly said in the article, I asked people not to send it to you. 
Uh, but then I ended up telling you, it's like one of those things where you, 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 you gotta keep, you're keeping a secret from a partner, but then you end up telling them anyway. Cause you're like, I just, I can't, I, I'm riddled with the guilt. I had to tell you that, uh, that I have Cedric Mullins there. And it, it's just at a point where I'm nervous that if he struggles again and is kind of a league average-ish or worse bat, replacements are plentiful as we just keep talking about with Baltimore. And so that's my concern. He could be platooned. Uh, he could lose a lot of playing time. He's 29. 2021 will forever be the high water mark. It'll always be a great season. You'll always you know, have that association with him. We're never getting back to that. But I don't even know if we're going to get back to 2022 when he had 1634 after last year's 1519 with 233 batting average. It was only in 116 games. Uh, so the volume was a big reason why the stolen bases were down. But I'm just really tepid on him at pick 164 here for Cedric Mullins. Where, where are you at on your boy? Honestly, I think a lot of it comes out of health. Like he missed a lot of time last year because of yeah. health. Um, I, you know, like, yes, there is some platoon risk uh, for him at this point because he has struggled against left handed pitching. But I think he's just more likely to move down the lineup than he is to really give up playing time because he's still a really good defensive player. So, like, I'm not like super worried about him, like like actually figuring into like a full time platoon, especially because you look and it would be Jorge Mateo would be their platoon partner or be his platoon You're partner. Two like, so like I don't think that is necessarily really happening. Um, to me, if I if I feel really really good about his health, I feel fine about it coming in. Like I'm actually fine with this price. Like, in have you taken him anywhere yet, Cedric Mullins? I have not. And so, like, that tells you something, right? Like, this is my dude. Like, I have a Cedric Mullins tattoo that covers the entire uh, section of my back, right? Like, it's just his face right on my back. It's, no, it's his uh, jersey, but on your back, so you're always wearing actually, a Cedric Mullins. If I didn't actually have a tattoo, like, like over my back, like, I'd actually do that. That'd be fucking That'd be amazing. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't think, uh, as long as he's healthy, I think he's fine. Um, I do think there's a little added, added risk because he plays a really, um, you know, tough and aggressive outfield position. And, um, you know, he's just he's getting older, right? He's 29 and uh, right. we saw kind of things start to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think 2030 is actually still in the cards. I really do. It, it is. I mean, the projections really are. Bad X actually says that exactly 2130. With a 242, um, it really comes down to that PT. And I know he missed a bunch of it last year due to injury. I just worry that this year it could be due to performance if the bat keeps dropping. You know, the WRC yeah. plus totals are 136, 109, 99. If that trend continues and he continues to evaporate into a below average hitter, then that's where the concern think, could really come up. I think the real issue for him is more, is less about playing time and, um, more about where he hits in the lineup. Um, it, like, it's going to be low. Yeah, I think I think he's going to, you know, especially with the amount of just elite bats that they're developing in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that you can have him lead off. Now, he did raise the walk rate last year. He was at 9.5%. Like, that's, you know, it's pretty decent, for right? But it's still, like, translated into a 305 on base percent. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's not what you want hitting in front of Rushman and... Um, 
and uh, Gunnar Henderson and, Gunner and, and Santander, yeah, yeah. And Santander, Jackson Holiday. So forty-seven games leading off last year, sixteen in the five-hole, twenty-two in the six-hole, and thirteen in the seven-hole, and then a bunch of others scattered around. So I think he's going to be in that mid to lower area uh, for Cedric Mullins, which will certainly hurt the run production. But again, the twenty thirty projections that makes some sense. I'm not saying like he's totally worthless. Just for the risk, I ended my uh, my little blurb on him with this. I said, Justin, if you're reading this, don't worry. I'm pivoting to another one of your favorites over Mullins as I'd just <laughs> rather take TJ Friedel at the same it's ADP. It's fair. So that, that that's what it comes down to, too, is other guys around him. So it wasn't even fully anti-Mullins. It's just at this price point, I want other players. I mean, All if right. if you did blind resume, though, like like if I if I or if I like say gave you blind projection, like you're getting 20, potentially 20, 30, if he's healthy, right? At pick 150, like, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that is totally fine. That's fair, but then Friedel's there doing the same thing with better batting. Average. Take both. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can co-sign that. And you you will take both because those and this are is why absolute this is babes. One of the reasons why, like I said, like, I'm not worried about the depth of outfield. Like, like we still got another episode. Um, yeah. And we've been and like we've done like we're going to do like two like close to 90 minute episodes or three 90 minute episodes to have another episode like the depth at outfield is fine. It's it's wonderful. Uh, Jaron Duran broke through last year. Uh, do, do you believe in it? I'll just ask that straight up. Do you believe in it? Because I did I, I put him in my bust category. I kind of do. Okay. Um, Talk to me about it. So like Duran, you know, like there is uh, I think not a ton of power. Like, I, I don't even know if he's got a league average power, but like 187 ISO last year was pretty strong. Yeah. Like, um, I think he could be this year's Cedric Mullins. I really do oh. like 91% zone contact, uh, 11% swinging strike rate. Uh, you know, um, there's a, there's plenty of speed. Uh, I think there is a world in which he is leading off. Um, I like at least, at least on a strong side, like he's going to lead off for the Red Sox in front of Devers and Casas and Trevor story. Like um, I think he's made some strides defensively as well. So like, yeah, maybe he's a platoon guy. Maybe he just plays every single day, um, you know, because right now that their platoon partner is Rob ref Snyder. Like why hey, he cooks like, lefties. I know, but like, still, why? Like, you don't need to put Rest Snyder out there uh, in favor of Duran. Um, let me see. Let me let me double check. What did what did what did Duran even do against lefties last year? That I do not know. Well, he had two eighty nine against lefties last year. Why? Okay, what was his BABIP though? Yeah, that's probably the because uh, that's part of why I'm yeah. a little bit out on Duran is that his BABIP was sky high. Four hundred. He's he's a fast guy and he hit hard. I, I not put no 400 bad up against lefties on the table for him. But here's uh, the thing. Like, he makes a lot of zone contact. And what do helps. I, what do I always say? When you make a lot of contact, especially in the zone, you give yourself the opportunity to get lucky, right? Exactly. Yeah, maybe he doesn't run a 381 Babbitt, but like all the projections have him come down to 330. I don't know that I buy that. I think like 350 is probably what his bad hip should be. Which means, hey, maybe the batting average does come back, but maybe it just comes back to 270. Now we're talking think, about a, a 270 hitter that's leading off in Boston. Like, yeah, like I think that he could be like a 1040 guy. 
I think the only reason that um, you don't see a projection that high is because 350 BABIP, um, only five qualified hitters did that last year. So that's like really the top end. And in fact, looking at Bat X right now, he doesn't. Uh, Derek doesn't have anybody projected for a 350 BABIP. Same with Steve. Yeah, okay. The max is 348. So that's actually he's a pretty a, good BABIP he's a projection. Career 347 BABIP guy at the majors. Yeah, obviously it's not that's like a ton heavily of inflated by last year. Yeah, but like, why you know, why can't he be 340? He can, and I will say, the the uh, the 330s that that a lot of these systems have for him is among the higher. Yeah. Um, and, and so if he adds some punch or if he adds some homers with volume because he hit eight homers in 102 games, you know, I got some comments on, on Duran too, kind of advocating for him. So I might be changing my tune. I'm going to be updating the, uh, the, the busts as well. And so there could be a change and maybe I start to, so uh, even jump in on Duran a bit. Look at the uh, bad X's projection, even with a 330 Babbitt, right? So they're saying the Babbitt's got to come down 50 points, right? Mm -hmm. They've got a 263 batting average, 15 home runs, 28 stolen bases. So why is he cheaper than Mullins, too? That was, I, I will say, my first line about him was actually a little bit uh, of an advocacy line saying, like, why I would just take Duran over Mullins at that point, by the way. I will say that. I don't think that that is a bad argument. Um, so yeah, um, I, maybe I am starting to turn my tide a little give bit. Me on, on Durant. Durant, give me all three of these. Yo, Durant, Mullins, Friedel, Durant, boom. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, power and speed. Even auction, I may actually do that. Like, like I may just go like, okay, you know, I'm going to get, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a good, like, um, power, uh, power, like, outfielder early on um that like that's probably just sort by outfielders that someone who just good. cooks power yeah like someone cooks power batting average um I, like a yordan but not i mean that, that's, that's what i was gonna say or judge obviously those are the higher end um god Brian and Reynolds. batting average. It's Brian Reynolds. <laughs> give me Brian Reynolds and uh, give me Brian Reynolds. People who are li listening to this, these out of order, are going to be like, "Why are you guys laughing?" Why, what's the, the hell so funny about Go that? Back Go back to the last episode. Last Everyone's episode. Brian Reynolds. Brian, an outfield of Brian Reynolds, T.J. Friedel, um, Cedric Mullins, and Jared Durant, and then like, my, you know, I'll take you know my fifth guy way later or something like that. Okay. And, um, like, and I'm going to be stoked. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think all three, three of those guys, Friedel, Mullins, and Duran are all really, really good options. Definitely changed my tune a bit on Duran. Mullins, yeah. still pretty skeptical, but uh, Duran, yes. Okay. Starling Marte. Yeah. Comes down to health, right? Yeah, that's all it is. It's, it's just I mean, that simple. Like, it is, it really does come down to health uh, for Marte. Like, he's going to play every day that he is healthy. Um, he still stole 24 in 86 games. Yeah. Are you paying this? Is the price cheap enough that you can jump in at 223 to take the gamble? Um, I'm probably not paying it just because the last time he played more than 120 games was 2019. Mm -hmm. So, um, like you played 86 last year, 118 the year before, 120 year before that. So, like, I, dangerous to me is a little bit too great. I totally like. I don't have a problem with anybody paying it, but if I'm going to do it, it's got to be in a league where I've got IL spots. Uh, I prefer it in tens and twelves where he's easily droppable if he's going to be out for six weeks. 
Um, so, but like, I just don't like to invite guys on my roster that get hurt, even though Marte has been a Mason favorite forever. Like, I, I've always loved starting Marte. He gets hurt all the time. He, he takes a lot of hit by pitches too, and I think yeah. that plays a role in it. So that's a bummer. Uh, speaking he's of a show, thirty-five. Favorite, like, he's yeah, like, that's the thing too. The at the age is getting up like there, the, especially at thirty-five. Like, your speed can just drop off. Like, mm-hmm. you can just stop. Like, you know, like you, know, you especially when you're a guy who's thirty-five and you're like, okay, I've got you know, all I've got to do to get paid is just stay on the field. Like, he could just stop running. Could just be self-preservation, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's some concerns there with Starmart. Um, awesome player, though. I really enjoyed yeah. his career, and uh, I, I hope he can stay healthy and, and you know, spike a big 130. That's not even yeah. a full season, of course, but that would be his highest since 2019. Yeah. Uh, okay, a show favorite is Leody Tavares. And, yeah. you know, things started coming together a little bit for him last year. And I know a lot of people want to push him off to the side to get Carter and Langford in the lineup. And that's where I get the uh, not so fast, my friend. I know 98 WRC plus doesn't jump off the table, but he plays a true center field um, and and does does so pretty well. He went 14-14 last year, 266 average, 312 OBP, 421 slug. He, he can't come out of the gate with like a 60 WRC plus in the first month or I do worry that the playing time could dry up, but he's still just 25. I still love Leody. Um, and I do think that the presence of Carter and Langford lowers his price. And at 271, I'm willing to take the gamble. Are you still in on our boy Leody? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, he did nothing wrong last year. Like right? he was, he was exactly what you kind of wanted him to be. Um, and the price didn't go up and the price didn't go up. Because, like you said, they've got so many other guys that people are going, um, oh, well, he, Leody's clearly the guy who's going to lose playing time. He's an elite center fielder. Like, he's like, uh, I don't know that his job is in much jeopardy as people want to make it out. I think that I agree. the whole reason they let go of Mitch Garver um, and didn't resign Mitch Garver is because Wyatt, Wyatt Langford is ticketed for that DH spot once he's it, up. Exactly. So, By the way, um, I should, speed demon category was probably the wrong one for him. He probably should have been in that late power speed. Um, he has great speed. Like his sprint speed is incredible, yeah. but only 14 steals, uh, 11 the year before, 10 year before that. So a misclassification mis-ca- uh, there. You can get me on that. But again, not the biggest issue that we need to worry I mean, about. The, the problem is, and the reason why he doesn't steal so much is because he's hitting eighth or ninth. Like yeah. he's like, uh, but like, he doesn't need to hit eights or ninths. He's going to, but he doesn't need to. Like, I mean, like, you know, like he's not like. It's just because the team is so deep. The, see, the on a lot of other teams, so good around him. Yeah, he could be top a of the Twenty-one percent strikeout rate, like you know, and hit two sixty-six with a two seventy xba. Like, this is like a decent hitter who has a ton of speed. They just don't let him utilize it. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I think what we saw last year is actually pretty right in terms of like yeah i think he's probably gonna have around 550 to 600 plate appearances i think he's gonna you know hit 12 to 15 home runs and steal 15 to 20 bases like um with a you know 250 to 260 batting average and the projections agree. They're basically putting yeah. him down for for a repeat there. And I'm with that with Leody Tavares. We'll definitely have him on some, already do have him on some teams. I mentioned Whit Merrifield, pick 276, discussed him at second, but he's expected to land this weekend. I guess maybe we should try to move him till Monday then so that we know where he is because we're going to just bring him back up anyway. So let's do that. 
uh, because it didn't really say exactly where he's going to go. It said that a deal is expected. So I guess they got word from his agent or something that they're making moves on, uh, you know, they're going to make a decision yeah. on whatever offers he has. So we'll revisit. We're going to see a when, lot of guys signing this weekend. Yeah, exactly. And when I say so, that, we're going to see no guys sign. And I'm just going to keep banging my head against the wall. Yeah, I will. I will cry if nobody signs. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we will revisit Witt on Monday. Willie Castro, 303. We discussed him at, at third base. But again, the reason I wanted to make sure that we brought him back up was because um, they've made some moves. And unfortunately, they made some moves that do kind of hurt him. But I still think he's just the super util guy the way he was last year. And he swiped 33 bags and 409 plate appearances, kind of playing everywhere. You talked about all those injury risk guys when we were talking Walner, right? Lewis, Buxton, even Kepler's had some issues. Correa, Kirloff. Um, Carlos Santana's 100. Actually, he doesn't really have injury issues. He's just old because he's usually a 600 in the bank type of guy. But there's a lot of potential avenues for, for Castro to be damn near an everyday player, despite not being a full-time, like penciled into the starting lineup. He just dots around every day. Is that enough for you to jump in after the 33 swipes last year? Do you like Willie Castro? Yeah, because I do not buy at all that he's not going to play close to every day. Like, I just... There's too many injuries on the team. Uh, there's too many other guys who could platoon or just sit because they're trying to preserve them. Uh, I think Willie Castro finds his way to 500 plate appearances and steals 25, 30 bases. Like I really do. Like, and I drafted him. Uh, you know, you're getting a guy who's multi-positional eligible. He's eligible uh, at third in the outfield. If you're in Yahoo, he's eligible at second base. Also, he'll probably um, add in season too, depending on what your requirements yeah. are. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I mean, I think he could play. I think, yeah, I think he'd get 500 plus play appearances um, and be very, very productive. So, like, I should, I love the ADP on Willie Castro. 303, I feel like it's just too cheap. Totally fair. Yep. I'm, I'm with that. You need some speed. Jump on Willie Castro. The PT, I think, will just be open as he dots around the field. Johan Rojas for Philadelphia. They seem to be pretty committed to him moving your boy Brandon Marsh over to left. Now they have two great outfielders. Remember when their outfield was just you know awful <laughs> there with Schwarber and Castellanos on the corners. Poor Brandon Marsh had to cover the entire outfield. And I forget who it was before that, but yeah, like they've now made some improvements Harper. there. Oh, yeah. So you don't want him having to try to cover everything. But now you got Rojas in center. You got Marsh in left. Uh, Rojas had 14 swipes in 164 plate appearances last year. 302 average was buoyed by a 410 Babbitt. So let's be clear on that. He has dreadful plate skills, 26% K, 3% walk. So I don't put him anywhere near a 302 average. But can we get a bunch of steals here? Is is he going to play enough? Um, uh, you know, do you believe in their commitment to him that Johan Rojas is going to play enough to get, say, 450 plate appearances and thus maybe be a 25 to 30 SB guy, even if it comes with a 240 average? Where do you stand on on 23-year-old Johan Rojas? I hope they commit to him because not for Rojas's uh kind of value but for the pitchers for the like, pitchers yeah there's not a lot of pitchers who hit the ball in the air and Rojas makes that defense so much better uh no reason that Schwarber is out there regularly um so like yeah I think a Brandon Marsh and Rojas kind of outfield like makes in Cassianos makes that team a lot better Cassianos has gotten better defensively he has um, and you know Marsh is a great defender and Rojas is a great defender so uh I, I mean, there's obvious risk from a guy who's only had, you know, 164 play appearances in the major leagues. 
Um, and like you mentioned, like the BABIP was unsustainably high. He's probably more of like a 240 to 250 hitter than he is uh, anywhere close to what he did last season. But like he still makes a decent amount of contact. There is a lot of speed, very little power. But like, yeah, could I see a like why draft Esrarius and draft Johan Roth? For I'm, real, I'm, man. Like, I, I'm, no, I'm that's actually a better joking, one but, than my Mateo one because I think Rojas has a chance to really play. They they yeah. are committed to that defense, and their lineup is so deep that you can take kind of a zero bat from from your nine spot to get the premium defense. Um, between his double A time in 2023 and Rojas's double A time in 2022, he had 618 plate appearances, six, uh, 59 stolen bases. Nice, like that is fantastic. Like now, obviously that's against double A. Like sure, you know it's worth but catching. He it's worth AAA, by the way. Yeah, like that, that's why you're bringing up double A. He skipped triple <laughs> A to come to the majors. Rojas did. Like, I, you know, I think there is a world that's going to battle the bottom lineup, you know, like we just said with uh, Tavares, they may say, like, we're not going to let you steal just, like, un, you know, unchecked uh, because we don't want you running the outs in front of the top of the lineup. But, like, I think that, like, the projection systems right now have them for, like, half a season in, like, 17, 20 stolen bases. I think he's probably closer to 500 plate appearances. Um, yeah, and I think he's probably closer to forty stolen bases. I I really think they're going to commit to him with the defense, and so that makes Johan Rojas pretty intriguing if you like the rabbit. And again, why the hell would you take Asuero Ruiz when you can get Rojas so much cheaper? I totally agree with that. This next category is titled Chris Bryant, uh, and the participant in it is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where the hell to put him, dude. Two eighty six ADP. Listen, I used to love Chris. I mean, I shouldn't say used to. I still love Chris Bryant. Obviously, his outlook has greatly changed and diminished, um, even though he is in Colorado. But at pick 286, I'm taking the shot because I think there could still be a spike season. Even if it's just Colorado infused, I don't give a shit. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't great last year. He was actually pretty terrible. 80 games of a 73 WRC plus, but he's still just 32 years old. I'm going off the length of the, you know, the, the bulk of the track record. I know there's nothing recently to really get you super excited about uh, Chris Bryant, but I'm in at pick 286 just because I don't think he's a terrible player. What, what, what about you? Especially in your 10s and 12s, like I, I don't have a problem with it, right? Because like if he doesn't like, if he doesn't stay healthy, you just drop him. In your 15 team leagues, I'm staying away from it. I just. Like I know the price isn't. Who are you that. taking in fifteen team leagues? You cut. You're getting away from everybody that has. I've already got all of my outfielders from Cedric That's Mullen. That's true. That's uh, true. And TJ Friedel and Jaron Duran. Like you know, like I don't need an outfielder at that point. I to me like, I just don't want to invite the risk of Chris Bryant. I mean, he hasn't played in 140 games since 2021. Uh, so his entire Rocky career. He's 33. Mm -hmm. He's always had injury issues, um, like pretty much his entire career. Even when he was a stud, he, you know, sure. had that kind of reoccurring back issue. You know, they've moved him off third base uh, into the outfield. Like, I just, you know, you thank him for what he did in, you know, past seasons, and you kind of just go, I don't want to deal with a headache. That 2021 is, is not that long ago. I get it. 25, 25-10. I don't know. I just think the upside's there too. I understand being mindful of the downside, right? That is very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
<clears throat> very important to be mindful of what the downside can be on a player. But when you start to get into this price what, point, there's what is be the upside warts. though? Because like he hasn't even attempted a stolen base since coming to Colorado. I, honestly, no. I I just brought up the season that he had. I don't really care about the steals, so fine, put him down for zero steals. Um, but so twenty five homers and, and a two ninety average. No, oh. he's in Colorado. His his upside, if we're talking upside, okay. his projections are 270, right. 265. Yeah. So he could hit 300 easily. I I, I tempered it at 290 uh, yeah. as far as upside. I mean, he hit goes. 306 in, in 2022. So and like, it's hard to find late batting average. So that's why I do like Chris Bryant at pick 286 right. because. I can understand it. I'm still not doing it, but I, under, I, I understand it a little bit more. Um, yeah, he is in Colorado. The batting average could just run high. Uh, so if he can find a way to stay on the field, um, yeah, I mean, 25 home runs and a 300 batting average is, you know, you've taken that there, right? Pretty hot like, that, at that yeah. point. Yeah. So yeah. again, tons of risk. Agree with you there, but I just, I think, Hey, I could get some cool batting average here. Yeah. All right. Mid to late round upside. Can you have time for this last, uh, well, I don't, unfortunately. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll punt it to Monday. Uh, we're going to go fast and furious on Monday cause we got to finish uh, outfield and get to starting pitchers. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap up there with Chris Bryant. I, I figured you were near the end. That's why I moved Chris Bryant up because that tier is very important. Uh, yeah. Justin, I hope you have a great weekend. Are you going to be with Jason on Sunday? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, okay, so no um, we will hopefully get together again in uh, two weeks. Okay, cool. And hopefully on Monday, we got some moves to talk about. We'll get through those. We'll finish out the outfield and uh, um, pitchers and catchers reporter, man. We are so close to games. It, it's, it's all coming together, folks. Uh, but I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. Take it easy.